This is our second session now on the five solas of the Protestant Reformation, and we're going to focus on grace alone. The first session was simply introduction in which I tried to show what the great tragic problem is that the five solas found in Scripture are designed to solve, namely that we are under the wrath of God and that we are dead, spiritually dead, in our trespasses and sins. And therefore, I said that the solution found in the Bible that Jesus Christ came into the world to provide was our being made alive, made spiritually alive to solve this deadness problem, and God's becoming 100% for us to solve this wrath problem in Christ is, by God's grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, received through faith alone, so that all things lead ultimately to the glory of God alone, with Scripture alone as the only final authority teaching these truths. And so what we want to do here is get the biblical foundation for why the Reformers taught that our rescue from death by God and our rescue from God's wrath by God as he becomes 100% for us in Christ is by grace alone. Father, I pray for your help. We love your grace. We need help to see and grasp and delight in the value of your sovereign grace. So make it plain from your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go to the scriptures. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 25, maybe the most important paragraph in the Bible. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We looked at that last time. And are justified, declared to be just, by His grace. So God turns uh, toward us, treating us as just and righteous, even though we are not because of something that happens, and it happens by his grace, which he then defines like this, as a gift, the Greek doreon, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So you have Faith here, you have Christ here, you have grace here. Three of the five solos are here. We are only focusing on by his grace. And let me just underline this. When he says that we are set right with God, declared to be just before God, when his wrath is no longer on us and he's 100% for us, when he says this happens by his grace and then adds as a gift, the point is it is not Uh, earned, it is not merited, it is not uh, deserved. We, We don't 
make any contribution to our resurrection from the dead by grace or any contribution to Christ as the foundation of our justification. We don't make any addition to grace. Grace meaning gift. Grace meaning free. Grace meaning entirely unmerited, undeserved, because it is free. Now, this is going to be made increasingly clear as we as we move along. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, and talk about that inner problem of our being dead. How does, how does that get solved? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just stop there and and ask, why do you think Paul inserted this phrase? Because it breaks the flow of the sentence. He clearly inserted this for a reason, because look how nicely it goes without it. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us with him and seated us. So, He made us alive, he raised us, he seated us in the heavenly places, but he doesn't let it flow that nicely. He breaks it off and inserts right here, by grace you've been saved. He's going to say that again down here. My suggestion is this. As soon as he says, God made us alive, that's the point where it's clearest that we make zero contribution to our salvation, right? If we're dead in our trespasses and sins, and God comes to Lazarus, as it were, a corpse in the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth, and he walks out, he did not raise himself from the dead. And so he inserts, by grace you've been saved, to make plain that's what grace is. That's the meaning of grace. If you want to catch on to the essence of grace, you understand it right here as the uh, power and impulse and disposition of God to do what corpses cannot do, namely give them life. So there you get a glimpse into the enormously important implications of what grace is. It is a gift undeserved, unearned, unmerited, totally one-sided, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. The first thing that grace does in raising us from the dead is grant us the gift of faith so that our life now emerges into reality through faith. That's the the first quiver of the newborn babe in Christ is faith. And this is not your own doing, not from you. It's not from you. 
Your faith is not from you. Grace is not from you. It is gift. There it is again. Grace is gift of God, not a result of works. So works do not bring about our salvation. Rather, look what happens here, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So our salvation is not a result, a result of good works, but for good works. So to be sure, we are becoming new people with new deeds of love, but they are not the way we come alive from the dead or the way we move into God's favor God found us dead and rebellious and undeserving in a, in a totally lopsided gift way called grace. He raises us from the dead, grants us the gift of faith, and saves us from death and wrath. If you move on then to make clear in the Christian life how grace remains the only decisive action bringing us about. It goes like this. But by the grace of God, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So we, we become what we are by grace. What we are does not merit grace. Grace precedes and makes us what we become. And his grace toward me, his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Oh, work and love and sacrifice and deeds of kindness abound in the Christian life. Not earning, not deserving, not meriting, but rather caused by grace. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Grace was the only decisive cause of my work. And this not I here is to say alone, grace alone. Of course I worked. He doesn't mean to deny that he's working. I worked harder than any of them. He means to deny here by this not I that he was part of this gracious power that brought about his working. Grace alone, not grace assisted by Paul's efforts. Same thing in 2 Corinthians 9.8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, so any sufficiency that we have is coming from grace in all things at all times so that having all sufficiency, you may abound in every good work. So you look at a Christian and he is working. He is doing good deeds because he has become sufficient for those deeds, and it all comes from grace, and therefore the good work and the sufficiency are not assisting grace. 
They're not part of grace. They're not alongside grace. Neither our sufficiency nor any other human sufficiency. This is all of God. God, grace alone is the decisive cause of my new life in Christ. Let's go back before the cross in eternity. Romans 11, 5 and 6. At the present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. But if it is by grace, if this election, if choosing us before the foundation of the world was by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Here he's getting at the very essence of what grace is. It's not based on anything we do. And here's a description of that that's even more clear in Romans 9, 11, and 12, where he's using an illustration of Jacob and Esau, with Jacob the younger being chosen or elected over Esau, though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad in order that the purpose of election might stand not because of works, anything good or bad that they had done, not because of works, but because, and then he doesn't say not works, but faith. He says not works, but because of him who calls. It is the grace showing God that is the decisive impulse and cause of this election here. She was told the older Esau would serve the younger Jacob. Summary. By grace alone, not by what? And we've seen this. God's electing work, choosing his people before creation, was based on God's grace alone, not any foreseen human acts of any kind. God's atoning work, propitiating his own wrath by the death of Christ, was based on God's grace alone, not on any merit added to Christ by anybody, not by Mary, not by the saints, not by us. God's regenerating work, raising us from spiritual death, is by God's sovereign, life-giving grace alone, not by any contribution of our own since we were dead. God's sanctifying work, so electing, atoning, regenerating, and now sanctifying work, transforming us into, his, into holy people, is based decisively on God's sovereign, transforming grace alone, not any of our efforts of holiness, which, though indispensable, are all gifts of grace. Therefore, the Christian gospel includes this truth. By God's grace alone, spiritually dead sinners who are under the just and holy wrath of God are redeemed by the death of Christ, made alive in Christ, so that God is 100% for them and not against them forever. All of that happens by God's grace alone. Oh, that our praise may rise forever to the glory of the grace of God.